Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Should the Minnesota Vikings fire Kevin O'Connell? After the game on Saturday, it was the sentiment from a lot of people. They didn't like how he was approaching the game. They didn't like his play calling. They just didn't like him, and they wanted to see a change. He's 20 and 11. Is that really fair? Are we just mad about the wrong things when it comes to Kevin O'Connell being the head coach? We're going to discuss all of that and more here on the latest episode of The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show, hosted by Tyler Fornis. The managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire, writer for the College Football Network, publisher of Substack Run In Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I am your host, Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, he is a grumpy old vet. He is producer Dave. Dave, how are you? I'm okay for a Monday. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I am, too. We are one week until Christmas, and if you uh, celebrate the holiday, uh, a merry early Christmas to you. And if you don't, I hope you have a wonderful Monday next week, because not everybody celebrates Christmas, but you can still have a fantastic day. Now, last Saturday's game. Weird range of emotions because there was a lot of good and a lot of, man, this sucks. And a lot of it has to do with Kevin O'Connell. And that's going to be the basis of this show today because within, I'd say, 10, 15 minutes of the game ending, Fire KOC was trending on, on Twitter. 
I wrote a piece collecting a bunch of those tweets of people that were just really frustrated. And that piece made me a bunch of money. I don't like doing those pieces, but you do what you got to do to make a buck. And you know what? It really uh, epitomized how the fan base as a whole was feeling. Cause not everybody wants Kevin O'Connell fired. There were a few tweets in there that kind of uh, included that, but it's, it's a difficult proposition and we're going to break it down here because it's fair to be upset and it's fair to be mad. But I think how some people are directing their frustration is not fair, nor is it correct. And we're going to talk about all of that here because the results are completely different from how you get there. How you get there matters more than results. And, it's something that took me a little bit to kind of figure out. And it's, it's a part of the basis of analytics. If you continue to utilize good process, you will get better results more often than not. And it, you can kind of talk about the same thing when it comes to like cooking a steak, try to try to make it an easy metaphor. All right. If you cook it the same process, every single time utilize the proper process, Every once in a while, you're going to overcook a steak or pull it off too early. But more often than not, if you follow that same process, you are going to get a good steak. And that's kind of what we're talking about with the Minnesota Vikings here. They're utilizing good process more often than not in a lot of different areas. The problem that everybody has right now is with the results, but it's being directed in an unfair facet, in my opinion. It's being directed at, oh, Kevin O'Connell's a really bad play caller. Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Like These are a the, lot of the things that I'm seeing. And I, I want to clear the air. I want to have a discussion about this because it's not me sitting on a high horse saying, I'm right, you're wrong. It's me sitting here talking to you, telling you why I think the way I do. And then with that information that I provide, it's up to you to determine if you believe I'm correct or not. That's what we're going to do here today. I'm going to tell you that I think Kevin O'Connell being fired after going 20 and 11 in his first two seasons is absolute bullshit. And I think it's, it's a bunch of crap. You asking him to be fired for the reasons that he's that, that people are asking him to be fired is awful and it, it's misdirected anger. So uh, Dave, I want to start here. We have three clips loaded up. And one of the things, and I'll, I'll let you get that process going. One of the things that we're talking about here is his play calling. So play calling in itself is a science. It's an art form. It's, it's kind of a weird combo between the two. You need a good left brain and a good right brain because your left brain or whatever side the creative brain is, you need to be creative with how you structure things. But even within that structure, you have to be very scientific because you'd say, okay, I have a pin concept. So you have a, a post on the right side and an in on the left against quarters and coverage. This safety is going to crash as the camera moves. So when that safety crashes, you have the post open deep. And that's how Jordan Addison got two of his early touchdowns this season against the bucks against the Eagles, that exact concept. So that's, that's where kind of art and science come together. And Delton, I'm going to get to that. Because we're going to talk about the process of calling a quarterback sneak and why it makes sense. And Kevin O'Connell even talked about a post game. Um, I, I'll 
while we kind of talk about these plays that Dave is loading up, I'm gonna they're loaded. I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read a quote here from Kevin O'Connell about that. I have to pull it up and go to the um his transcript from Saturday. Post game or today? Post game. Post game. Um because it's not as simple as, oh, you have a running back that that is playing really well. And that's 100% true. He was playing really well. But sometimes when you're getting, when you want to do that short of a distance, this is where probability comes into play. And this is why analytics can be a wonderful tool. And I think they used it properly here. Um, the process that he was asked specifically about the process of doing the twist push a second time, which I'll be honest, I agree with. I think anytime you're inside a couple of feet and then looking at about four or five inches there, we don't really want to have to turn around and extend the ball and hand off another ball. I trust our guys in that moment to execute with a push right there based on how well they were spotted. They got the stop and then transition that into an explosive run to give themselves a chance to win the game. That's good process. Why would you want to hand the ball off to a guy who's five to seven yards behind the line of scrimmage when you can just trust your offensive line to get to move them six inches back and let your quarterback sneak through. They had already done it twice in the game. So let's, let's pull those up. These first two quarterback sneaks happened in the first quarter. I believe both of them happened on the first drive. So as you can see, we're going to get three angles. That's the sideline view. And then we're going to get uh, both views. So you can, you can see the offensive line is going to get enough of a push and Mullins is going to get forward. And why I paused it here is I want to show that both a gaps are full. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings were able to get the, the enough of a push because you're only asking them to get like six inches. They got enough of a push. They got about a yard and a half. Like you're not asking a lot here. You're asking them to just push. And I think this is where the difference between process and results really comes into play because it's good process to ask for a quarterback sneak when you're within about a foot of a first down. So Dave, let's get the second clip up because this is later on. I believe the same drive. All right. They get another yard and a half, same play, same process. Both a gaps are full. Bradbury gets the push. He gets low and Mullins follows him right forward gets the first down. That is, that's great stuff. That's all you're asking. You're just asking for execution. And now what what we'll do here is this is a couple plays later, third down. And now they have CJ ham come in. Stop right here. Oops. Okay. So ham goes in and is right behind Nick Mullins insinuating, Hey, we're going to do it again. So what happens to the second level here? Those linebackers, they crash forward thinking, okay, it's another quarterback sneak. And this is where some of that play calling comes into play and why Kevin O'Connell, I believe is a really good play caller. Well, they don't do that. Ham just goes in and blocks. And now you have Chandler who's going to go to the top of the screen on a swing pass. And he's basically uncovered because of, of that play calling that Kevin O'Connell utilized here because they'd already done two quarterback sneaks. They basically fake a third one and Chandler gets about 20 yards and nearly a touchdown. This is, this is really good play calling. Now this is really good creativity. 
What's different on the defensive front, because I was caring about the defensive front, is here mm-hmm. you, instead of having two defensive tackles, two nose tackles in the A-gaps, you had one nose tackle at the zero position, meaning hat on hat with Bradbury. Mm-hmm. And you had the other two outside of the guards. And you had the one linebacker, number 57, up because the right-hand side of the offensive line is heavy. and But everybody sees... Ham, come in there. He's already motioned in in this where I've got it stopped. And he's looking in the position like, oh, he's going to push. This is this. Mm-hmm. No doubt. If the, if I'm 55, I'm looking at this and going, ah, oh, shit, it's a tush push. I've got to make sure whoever comes through the middle, whether it be the A gap or, or which side of the A gap, I've got to cover. And then you look, he steps up, 57 mm-hmm. steps up. And whoops, there it goes. Yep. And that's where some of that creative play calling comes in. Now, I want to utilize this opportunity to address kind of what they're talking about in the comments. Uh, Chris is saying, but you're you're giving the defense your exact play call. Look, yeah, there's a part of that. And you could argue that, uh, especially on that first one, hey, don't motion Brandon Powell into that spot. Because then you're giving it away because there was an element of, Hey, are are they going to do a quarterback sneak? Yeah. We're going to prepare for pretty much anything, but I'm fine with doing a quarterback sneak there. You have to execute and you have to be able to get that push from your offensive line. This is, and the second one I was fine with too. I, I, I don't even have a big issue with giving the play away, even though I completely understand the argument. Um, I, I get, why you would want to hide it. I also think it doesn't matter if you're good enough to execute it. Like one of the reasons, like look at the Eagles, the Eagles are a little bit of an anomaly because they're so good at it. They don't screw it up. They always win because they always execute it. Right. And if you believe your team can execute it, yeah, like just have two guys right behind Nick Mullins and have them push. The reason why, and Kevin O'Connell talked about this in his post game on Saturday, that they kept the personnel the way they did. They wanted it to be 11 personnel to spread out the defense enough so you weren't going to just have 90 million guys lined up in those A gaps. Well, it would be, you'd probably have one more big guy on the field to be able to stop that. And the Vikings thought they could execute because they had done it already. And to me, I'm not mad about the play calling. I'm a little annoyed that they use Brandon Powell as the push guy. But as Jonas said on our post game show, I, I I'm not gonna, I'm gonna say this. I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory, but I understand it. If you have Powell as the push guy, he can get lower than everybody else, and therefore potentially generate more power. I don't subscribe to that, but I understand why uh, Jonas kind of had that theory. Um, I'm mad about the execution. The execution is the biggest reason why the Vikings are where they're at. It's not the play calling. It's not the decision making. It's how they're executing the plays. And you know what? If you want to criticize Kevin O'Connell for the team's lack of execution, I think that's fair. I really do. I think it's fair. Oh, my wife's home. Hi. Odie, go get mama. Now, if you want to talk about Powell being a push, Kevin O'Connell today in his presser today admitted on that fourth down play, he should have changed it up and put in the heavies, that he did it wrong. He, he He made a mistake. That's fine to go for it on third down with the light box, the typical 11 man. But then on the fourth, 
down try. He should have changed it to a heavy set in the backfield. And if he was going to stick mm-hmm. with the the sneak and the sneak, like you said, odds are on the sneak works. It's a, I think it's an yeah. 82% success rate. So to do it that second time, he should have changed it up and he didn't. And today he admitted that was a mistake by him. He should have done that because, and I always get, if you, if you want push, you need big guys, you need mass moving. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. And what the tackles did on that, especially on the fourth down one, is they shoved Bradbury to the ground. And that's that's the yeah. problem with when you're playing uh, lines and you're both down low trying to get underneath each other. There's an effective way, if you've got too much, to defeat that by push that pushing that down. Now there was a remark here I want to address real quick. David Cercelli. Uh, what football background do these guys have? David, uh, go back, watch previous shows. I've detailed my bona fides on that numerous times, and Tyler has been covering this sport as a professional for many years now. So if you wish to question that, go right ahead. But please go back and watch, and you can see where our bona fides come from. We've been around this sport, especially me, for decades. So... You can take what we say at face value, or you could not. We don't care. There's a lot of people that love watching us for what we observe, and the fact that we're fans, too, and can empathize with everybody here on what we saw, that, uh, you know, it was it was frustrating, the re- end results of that game, and especially that mm-hmm. fourth down, quote, tush-push, not even though it's a it's a QB sneak that wasn't executed as well as it needed to be, and they didn't switch. And like I said, KOC admitted that today in his presser, and we should take it for him. Hopefully, he learns from it and moves forward. And I I don't even really have that big of an issue with them doing it back to back. I don't have an issue with them keeping the eleven. Now I will I do want to counter with this. I do think they could have done better. I do think if you wanted to bring in the heavies, you could argue that's a better decision. And I'm okay with that. I'll also say this. If they did something like I'm seeing in the chat where they like pitch it out to Powell and do some, some kind of trick play or whatever, and, or a pitch and it doesn't work. The, the big consensus would be KOC is too cute. Like he, he's, he's just trying to get too creative for no reason. Just do a quarterback sneak. And one of the issues is you you can't win that way. You can't win over everybody unless everything works out perfectly. And that's where the I think the execution needs to be talked about a lot more than the process because I think the process is overall really good. Bradbury is small. And, yes. Can he get low? Yes. Did he get his ass whooped? Yes. That last part should not have happened. He should have been able to hold his own because those first couple sneaks, he was the low man and he was getting low enough to be able to make a path for Mullins and let him get that first down. That's the long and the short of it for me. We can talk about how you need to do this, that, or the other thing. If guys block like they're supposed to, that's their job. That's what matters. That's all that matters. And I I think we're just kind of getting ourselves in the weeds then 
uh, talking about kind of these other options because as O'Connell mentioned in his presser, they didn't want to hand it off. They didn't want to because it was such a short gain and it gives the second level too much of an opportunity to come back and clog holes and you don't want to give them that type of ability. So that's why you do the quarterback sneak. They just got their butts whipped. And it sucks. Then you go back to the drawing board and try and figure it out. Um, yes. I, and I'm going to finish up with this. Aaron says yeah, Chandler can get the yards. He can, but it, it's about the reason why they didn't do that. That the reason why is because they didn't want to uh, look around and hand the ball off. It takes too much time. It gives too much ability for the defensive line to penetrate. You need six inches. Your quarterback should be able to get six inches. And I do think, you know, Kevin O'Connell admitted he should have put in the heavies. Part of the reason why, and everybody's been talking about it. Uh, Flores telling Kevin O'Connell to take a timeout so they can have an opportunity to look at it. Well, the reason why they didn't take a timeout is because O'Connell was told by the side judge or the back judge or whoever he was talking to, they had already looked at it and confirmed that the spot was right. So because they have that expedited review process, they can do that. So O'Connell didn't burn a timeout and that whole time process could have impacted him not actually making that decision uh, to put in the heavies. So like that's, that's all part of it. If you want to criticize, Hey, maybe he still should have taken a timeout anyways, because he was running out of time and that, that was a lot of time crunch there. I think that's fair criticism. I really do. But calling two tush bushes, I think was the proper call. I think was the right call. You got to execute. And to me, that's the long and the short of it. You have to get low. You have to get push and you have to allow your quarterback a path to get the first down. It's simple stuff. Dave's a former offensive lineman. He will tell you simple stuff. There are guys in the NFL who are elite at quarterback sneaks. Tom Brady was one of the best ever at it. Jalen hurts can get like five yards on a quarterback sneak. I'll never forget. And this is a little bit off topic. Uh, 2003 Gophers versus Michigan on that Friday night because of a twins game. Assad Abdul Khalid took a quarterback sneak 43 yards for a touchdown. All you have to do is push and execute and you can make it happen. The Vikings didn't. And it's that simple. The offensive line did not get the push. And Delton uh, mentions that they timed the snap count. Dan Orlovsky kind of said something similar uh, earlier today, or maybe it was yesterday talking about how they knew they knew it was coming. So they, they watched for the tells uh, of what the Vikings were, were doing, because that's all it is. You know, it's coming. That's fine. Man on man beat them. But when they saw those little details, like Mullins moving his right foot back and those little things and calling the snap like pretty quickly after uh, Powell got behind instead of like, Hey, do a hard count quick and get them off balance and thinking and then go. And that those are kind of the things that happen with a backup quarterback. If that's Kirk cousins, I don't think you have those issues. Why Kirk is a starter. He's a bona fide starter. He is a very talented football player. And not only is he talented, he's experienced. And I think we need to also temper our expectations here a little bit too. I think we're judging these quarterbacks on the Kirk plane and we're not judging them for what they are, which is backup level players. I think we need to temper that a little bit. And I think O'Connell's getting a little too much grief for guys like Mullins making Bozo plays because that that's what backup quarterbacks do. Bozo plays. 
the interceptions, the almost interceptions. Um, we forget that uh, Justin Jefferson was running like a little spot route and he throws it to the left when he should be throwing it to the right where there's this gaping hole. Jefferson can catch it easy and the pass gets dropped. Like those things matter. And those things are not things that Kirk cousins would do. He may throw that interception to Mike Hilton. We don't know that for sure. That that's a, an interception that, Hey, he might have actually thrown the screen. No. He's probably not throwing that. He's not doing the, th- the touchdown or interception to BJ Hill. And he's going to throw that ball accurately, accurately to Jefferson on the almost, but that you have to live with that with the backup quarterback. And you have to understand that even though you're going to make mistakes on offense, because you have that backup quarterback, it's not always going to be on the head coach. They're playing with the backup quarterback for because of an injury. And you have to have to look at those things with some rationale. Now, I love the fact that the fan base is passionate enough to be like, Hey, we got to get rid of this guy, but we have to be careful here. We have to be very careful in not saying that, Hey, this guy really needs to be fired. He shouldn't be fired. Absolutely not. Like O'Connell's great. 20 and 11 as the head coach of this team is really good. I believe he's the fastest head coach in uh, Vikings history to get to 20 wins, uh, beating Dennis green, which I think took him just over two seasons. Um, O'Connell's doing a great job. And you know what? We're playing with house money. If Kirk doesn't get hurt, this team could have 10 wins. They really could. And that's very frustrating because, you know, we talked about it on purple daily on draft today. The Vikings are just a what if franchise. What if this happened? What if that happened? And we've been living on this what if plane for so, so long. We got to stop living like that. We really do. And we need to try and look forward and look at, at positives and how we can project this. Cause this, the second Kirk got hurt, the season was pretty much over. It's all about, Hey, let's try and win some games, try and have some fun. And you know what? We've done that. There's not been a single game where the Vikings haven't had a chance to win for backup quarterbacks. Dave, that's pretty good. Really? I'm happy with that. No, it's, and, I said it at the time, everything out from here is house money. We're playing with, if we win great, if not, because normally you lose your starting quarterback, you're done. That's it. End of the season. Don't expect much. Well, we are still six seed right now as it sits mm-hmm. for the playoffs. All we got to do is win a couple more games, which all I really care about is winning one more. Not this week, but the following week. And uh, and we're good. Now, have we played good enough to win and not won like we did this weekend? Yes. That's what I, I think that's what's got people so upset is that they see there are times during games, whether it be the defense being absolutely shut down and nobody's blaming the defense on Saturday when they gave up all those touchdowns in the fourth quarter, the defense being shut down or the offense actually driving and scoring points and then doing something stupid and turning over the ball, turning the ball over on the goal line or something like that. They don't see that. I mean, we all see that, Hey, just, 
that what if, like you talk about, what if they would have caught that? What if that throw would have been a little bit better? We should win these games, and we should. And with all the injuries we've had this season, and we've had a ton. Last year, we were pretty good on them. This year, not so much. And yet, we are still in the playoff race, which is something to be said that, you know, two months without J.J., Kirk Cousins is out for the rest of the season, maybe out for his career at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You've got all that goes against you. You've got your left tackle goes out. Your right tackle gets dinged up. Your right guard gets dinged up. All that stuff happens, and yet people are still saying we should win. Well, yeah, there's times when we say, yeah, we should. But you also got to remember with all those backups in, you get stupid backup shit that happens. And it's a, it's almost a coin flip. And to get as many wins as we've had, I think is pretty remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Um, yeah. Phil says we can't compare him to Dennis Green. Green came in here after the Walker trade. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's not I, comparing. It's just he got 20 wins quicker. And yeah. it's not saying that he's had a, an easier route. Not saying uh, he has uh, a difficult route. I'm just saying that he got there quicker in less games. Like, that's it. And I, I'm not going to say he's a better or worse coach. I don't think we have enough body of work on O'Connell to really make that distinction at this point. But he just got there faster. Um, let, let's talk about this uh, comment from Chris. Um, isn't it pathetic that if you have to rely on your backup quarterback, your season is done. How are they that much worse than the starter? Bad coaching, Chris. It's because there are not a lot of good quarterbacks in football. It's, it's really down to that. There just aren't enough good quarterbacks to go around. And there aren't even enough good quarterbacks for every team in the league to have a good starter, let alone a good backup. Now, if you were to, uh, rewind 25, 30 years ago, you had guys who were on teams for five years as developmental guys, and they became backups and then they got to start. We're just not in that age anymore. Guys. Yeah, But a lot of those, but even 20 years ago, you lost your starting quarterback. You were basically done 30 years ago. It wasn't like, yeah, even, I mean, even you have to go back when they were playing, when quarterbacks didn't have to wear skirts and it was, more of a brutal game where you had to have two good ones. Um, but there were but less to go then, around then. There, there wasn't that many. I, it's just, it, it doesn't, 
it doesn't. Uh, T-Bass talks about, it's uh, funny how the Vikings PR machine. T-Bass, that is very much a part of this sport now. It's to sell that feeling, and it gets fans hyped up beyond the reality. New Coke versus old Coke. You know, oh, man, this is great. This is orgasmic. You've got to watch this. Let us promote this. Let us put Taylor Swift on here telling you how good this is. Right? Does it change anything how good it was? No. It's just you're looking at it and going, hey, that's pretty good PR. That's what they're doing. Hmm. The whole point about the quarterbacks, there's no incentive for teams to develop. No, not anymore, especially with the salary cap. And, like, that, it. the whole game is different. And back then, like Jeff Hostetler, backup quarterback, Phil Simms goes down, wins a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer, Tony Banks, I can't remember if Banks was uh, hurt or if he got benched, was the backup, wins a Super Bowl. Like those things happened. They happened in real time with backup quarterbacks. Now, then Chris asked the follow up question uh, 150 FPS teams, you can't get 60 good ones. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. There aren't enough. And you see it when you watch the XFL and the USFL. How many good quarterbacks were there? There was one, PJ Walker. The first time the XFL was around, there was one, Tommy Maddox. He went to the Steelers, started a couple years. Guess what? They still had to draft Ben Roethlisberger in 2004, and he took over and was the quarterback for nearly two decades. There aren't enough quarterbacks to go around. And the guys you think are good in college don't always translate. Brock Purdy is now one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. He was ass in college in 2020 and 2021. He sucked. We uh, we all thought maybe he'd be good after his good 2019 and then he was dog crap. Dog crap. And now he, all of a sudden he's with the 49ers and figuring it out. Like The thing is with quarterbacks, nobody knows. But there aren't enough to go around and there have never been enough to go around. And the lack of development for these guys and the lack of being able to, and I'm wondering with this QB3 rule, if we're going to see a shift back to teams wanting to keep a third guy, drafting a guy like a Jaron Hall and keeping him for three plus years and trying to develop him. I, I'm very, I that's the case. Yeah. I'm very intrigued to see how this all plays out, but yeah, there aren't enough quarterbacks to go around and the Vikings arguably have a top five backup quarterback in the NFL and Nick Mullins. They're in a good spot. And they yeah, got you're, down. You're still talking backup. Um, when you rack and stack quarterbacks, you usually come out with a top 10-ish, you know, that you consider elite that could be doing something, right? And then you get down all the rest of the starters, and some of the backups are moving into that bottom edge of the starter range, and you're like, mm, right? But can you actually win a whole lot with them? That's that's question. No. And generally, it's no. Now, coaching has some of the, to do with it. The luck that plays in football does. But um, it takes it takes quite a bit to develop. And after we lost this whole chunk of really good quarterbacks, Manning, uh, Brady, Breeze, all those guys, you know, all retired just now. There's, there's a gap, but there's a... There's not that many in there yet to fill it. And we're just in the process of doing that. We thought Kirk Cousins being one of the older guys that could fill that gap was doing great, right? Especially in those last couple games. But 
You don't have it. So you're trying to suck lesser talent up with lesser experience when it comes to backups to come up and play at a level that they need to play at to be dominant. And they're just, they're not there. That's, it's an unreasonable expectation to have. Now, do the Vikings play a part in that, hyping it up? The PR, as T-Bass talked about? Oh, yeah, they do. They want to sell tickets. You betcha. But you can't. you got to look at it realistically and say, no. That's why I said we play with house money. We go from there. I do want to thank everybody that's in the chat. You guys have absolutely rocked today. From George, T-Bass, Davey, everybody else, Forlorn, Purple Haze. You guys have absolutely been wonderful today, and we appreciate that. I want to get back to my discussion about these back quarterbacks. Um, big thing is, like, even if you don't, even if like Mullins is a top five backup quarterback in football, he, if you were to power rank the quarterbacks, he'd probably sit somewhere around 36. And he's a guy that, uh, and when we signed him, I thought it was, or traded for him, I thought it was great because if you need him to come in and win a game or two, like on a four game sample size, while your quarterback is out, I think that's the kind of guy you need. Uh, Gardner Minshew is another one. Uh, now the Colts are doing something absolutely insane. They're eight and six. Like this team could has a chance to win the AFC South with Gardner Minshew. Minshew is not a guy you want starting for your football team long term, but he's that type of guy to come in and he can run your offense and he can play relatively mistake free football and get you to a good spot. And that's kind of what Mullins is. He needs to tone down the mistakes. I think what, now that you have a game under your belt, I think you can kind of look at some of those things. But the big thing with Mullins, he was attacking all levels of the field. He was throwing balls with timing. He was throwing like 15-yard out routes with precision, which you have to. You have to hit that back foot on your hitch, and you have to fire that football. He was doing some of those things. That's why I called him discount Kirk Cousins, because he's going to do some of those things that... Kevin O'Connell really wants to in the offense, but you understand that the ceiling has, has a very low level. It's like those drop ceilings that you had in houses built in the seventies that are only like eight feet tall. And they drive people like me nuts since I'm six foot six. My parents have one of those drop ceilings. Like it, it was just real short. My ceilings are vaulted. That's going to be like a Patrick Mahomes quarterback because there's a lot of room to grow and get better and better. There is not that with Mullins. You're going to get one, uh, two, three games where he's going to play well. But if you have to start him for a significant amount of time, it's not going to be great. And you saw some of that because on Saturday, if you give him those opportunities to just do enough, but don't ask him to do too much, you'll be just fine. And the Vikings arguably should have won that game. And if they won that game, I don't think people are complaining about much at all. Like he's a backup quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to make dumb plays. And the fact that he made good ones, a lot of good ones in the course of that game to be able to put us in position to have that success and a 17 to three lead, I think is a good thing and a positive for our coaching staff, a positive for our football team, a positive for our culture. And then as we continue to grow and develop these core players, we're going to be able to input a quarterback later on and we're going to be able to take steps forward and Look, it'd be nice to have a guy like Todd Bauman, who you had on the roster for four years, and then all of a sudden he comes in, he's throwing 60-yard bombs to Randy Moss, and it just works. But you never wanted to start Todd Bauman long-term. 
That was never a part of the plan. That was never an idea in your head. But you know what? That goes couple games. Yeah, it was a fun time. And you know what? He played well. That's kind of the route that Nick Mullins is in. Just keep doing those little things. Keep playing within structure. Keep playing in sync. And don't put yourself in position to lose. Mullins didn't do that. He had the Vikings in position to win. They didn't execute the simp- one of the simplest plays in the playbook. A quarterback sneak. And that's why all of this is being discussed. Mullins not only is one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league, he's making $2 million. That's nothing. Guys like Andy Dalton are making like seven to 10. You're getting an inexpensive option and at one of the best at that position. And I think that's objectively great, but you have to understand that it's not going to be perfect. And we're, Next year, we're, we're going to have a lot of talk about what the, they should do with the quarterback position this offseason. We've already started the school search shows. Uh, first one with Connor Rogers talking about Malik Neighbors and Jared Verse. Go check it out. It's on our show page. We're going to have a lot more of those, a lot more experts like myself joining the show to talk about prospects, and it's going to be a good time. But look, at the end of the day, Mullins was fine. And we're going to kind of transition away from quarterbacks just because, look, it was good enough to win. And other factors are the reason why we lost, not due to the quarterback play. Look, the interceptions stunk and they shouldn't happen. Yes. But it, but at that point, because both those happened pretty early, once you got into the third quarter, you were still up 14. Those didn't really matter. They did, but they didn't. You, you, you catch my drift. You still had a chance to win and you didn't because you didn't execute well enough when it mattered the most. I agree. I agree. All right. I think we need to talk about some more positives. Um, let's talk about Ty Chandler Chandler. I'm, I'm cutting up some plays. I'm going to write an article on him tomorrow. Chandler looked really good. And I'm seeing a lot of discussion and we've talked quite a bit about Ty Chandler and Alexander Madison on the show that, Oh, Chandler's been the best running back all year long. No, he hasn't. He just hasn't been because he wasn't consistent. He wasn't seeing the holes open up well in zone. He wasn't consistently pass blocking. Now he had reps that were great, but consistency is more important. You can't just have four great ones. And then two where you just suck. That's not how it works. And he had a couple that just sucked. Can't do it. And when you look at, at those little details, he just didn't, wasn't there. Now, on Sunday, or sorry, on Saturday, he was the guy. He played 81% of the snaps. And he was the bell cow. It was great. He played really, really well. Had the Vikings' first 100-yard performance on the ground since... Week 10 of 2022, and that was Dalvin Cook against the the Buffalo Bills. And if you remember, he had that 79-yard touchdown run to get the Vikings within 10 points. He played really well. He was seeing the holes better. He was exploding through them. And what I really appreciated was how patient he was. And he was kind of doing like that. If you remember LaDainian Tomlinson, LaDainian Tomlinson almost like jump, do those jump cuts in the hole and, and give his blockers a little bit of time to get their guy and then explode forward. 
in a different way, Chandler was doing some of that. He was stalling for time to allow his blockers to make the block and be able to move forward and get a bunch of yards. And I thought that that was excellent. Um, I love that he's being really explosive. He's doing this, that, and the other thing. And he was consistent. He was very consistent on Saturday. And I think that's a really positive step moving forward. I don't know what's going to happen here the rest of the year. Madison is returning to practice this week. They're going to try and work him back in. Who knows if he'll play on Sunday, but they did say that Chandler has earned a quote featured role in this offense. Unquote. What does that mean? Is it going to be the cam Akers role where he was getting half the snaps before he tore his Achilles tendon? Is it something else? We don't know, but the coaching staff has acknowledged that he's been playing really well. They want to keep giving him the ball. He's showing growth and all of those things matter. And he was not the best running back option in week three. He was always going to be potentially the best option by the end of the season. And that's where we're at. He is now. I think he's now the best option because he's shown that he can do those little things better. And he's always been more explosive than Alexander Madison. He always has been. So and now KOC, that he's, it matters. KOC mentioned today is pass blocking has gotten better. And that, and his pass blocking was really good in college. Problem right. is it hasn't been consistent in the pros. Like that, yeah. that's always been the big thing. Um, Mathematically, Aaron, yes, we do. We win two, we're in. We mm-hmm. win three. We have the possibility of winning the division if Detroit loses to the Cowboys. It's that simple. Yep. I'm I'm really, really intrigued to see what ends up happening with the Lions and the Cowboys because the Cowboys, they went to Buffalo and got their asses beat by the Bills. Which they just surprising. got kicked. I had a feeling it might happen. The Bills might not have the best record, but they have had a very difficult schedule. And they are they're a very good football team. I actually put them in my power rankings this week as the third best team in the league. Like you can talk about the eight and six record, and you know what? That that holds some weight. But when the Chiefs are nine and five and the Bills went and beat the Chiefs, like you're not looking at a bunch of teams who are just these alpha dogs. The only team that's really an alpha dog is the 49ers. That's a juggernaut. That's a fantastic football team. And the Bills are scary. I I don't want to touch the Bills. I don't want to see them anytime until after the season. Because if they make a run, this Bills team could win the Super Bowl. Like well, it, the only time good. we would see them if we did is in the Super Bowl. Yep. And I my would take hope that. Point, my whole point in the Bills conversation is with the Cowboys, I knew it was coming. Um, because the Bills were just that good. And I think because the game will be in Dallas, I think that the uh, the Lions will have a lot of trouble with Dallas because of the personnel, because of how they match up and how explosive that offense is, especially when they play at Jerry World. They are a much, much better team at home. Like a lot of teams are. And there's nothing wrong with being better at home. It's just, it's natural. The Vikings can get that win and then beat the Packers at home. That'll set up the winner-take-all game at Ford Field. And then the Vikings will have an opportunity, likely a Sunday night game because the winner wins the NFC North. 
And both teams at that point will have clinched the playoff spot. So it'll only be for the NFC North. And that will be the only thing that matters. And that's the game that they usually want to put on Sunday night football because they don't want any other result to potentially spoil that game. That's why they group games the way they do. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on Christmas Eve. Hopefully a nice start to our Christmas celebration where I will be smoking prime rib once again. Two five-pound roasts this year. We're really excited. But um, I will say before we kind of start wrapping things up here, we will have a guest on Wednesday. And it is going to be an interesting guest. Uh, His name is Dan Alter. Uh, good friend of mine has been a diehard Lions fan for a long, long time. And he is one of the most fun and energetic people I've ever met. And it's going to uh, spark some life into this show. And I'm really excited to talk Lions. And he, uh, the best part is he's just as knowledgeable as anybody who covers the team on a full-time basis. So you're going to get a lot of really, really good stuff. And you're going to have a really good time watching the show because it's just it's just going to be a big ball of fun and that's what we like to do here we like to have fun and we're going to do that um one hell of a week dave one hell of a week (laughs) it's going to be fun and uh, for the folks to say we don't have a chance hey if we make the playoffs yes it may be the wild card round but you never know. There have been wild card teams that have gone all the way, gotten hot. And people prior to that were, have we got a chance? No, we ain't got a chance. And then they catch fire. If you're talking about who are real contenders and everybody else should quit because they're not that real contenders, you're only talking two or three teams in the entire league. So why do that? That's no fun. Let's watch this play out and see where it goes. Who knows what happens? Maybe gods will change their mind and bless us, and we'll finally get that Super Bowl win we've always wanted. Don't bank on it, though, but there's always that chance. So I would never give up hope until we're mathematically eliminated. Yep. And uh, the six-seed Steelers, 2005, won the Super Bowl. Six-seed Packers in 2010 won the Super Bowl. 60 Giants 2007 won the Super Bowl. It's it's been done. There is precedent that a 6 seed can go on and win the Super Bowl. You just got to win your football games one <laughs> game at a time. Chuck says it. If Foles can win one, anyone can. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Anybody can win one. And that's all it takes. You just have to get to the dance. You get to the dance, you can make it happen. And I'm very excited to kind of see what happens the rest of the season. That is going to be the show tonight. In conclusion, Kevin O'Connell should not be fired. And if so, no, that's uh, ridiculous. There's, there's absolutely no evidence that even shows he should be removed from being the play caller either. Um, we're going to be back on Wednesday. We're going to be talking about Vikings Lions part one. And we're going to be talking about how the Lions have a chance to win their first division title since it was the NFC Central, and that was in 1993. They can clinch. Uh, yes. Yes. Look, we're gonna we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna have a lot of fun Wednesday night. And just a heads up, there will not be a live show on Christmas Day. There will not be. We may have something. 
we may get something riled up. Maybe we'll do a, a episode of Skull Search or something so you guys can have something Christmas Day if you want to tune in. Um, if if uh, the family is just getting on your nerves and you just need 20 minutes away, maybe we'll have something for you. But there will be no show Christmas Day. And as always, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed where there's a lot of good stuff. Multiple shows from Dave, from Justin, Purple and Gold for Days. There's gonna, And this show as well is also on podcast. You will not want to miss it. And don't forget to all bloggers, the unofficially official pregame show Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m. We're going to have a good time. I'm Tyler. He's Dave. The one thing we always say, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Like. Subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.